0: Welcome to New Hope Community Church, even if it's online. So I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 19. Uh, We're continuing today in our series four. And the premise behind the series, you know it, but let me say it because what we talked about last week, we said that anything worth saying is worth repeating. The premise of the series is that for far too long, The church, not just New Hope, but the church at large, the church worldwide, has been known by what we are against for far too long, and it seems that we've been against just about everything over the years, uh, the church at large. Sometimes it's good to be against something, right? Hopefully no one would take issue with the fact that we are against things like evil and hate. The problem is that that when you're defined by what you're against, when all you are is defined by what you're against, um, you forget the other side of that coin. And you forget to think about what it is that you are for. For far too long, the church has been known by what it is against. But I do hope we want to be known by what we are for. As we talked about last week, one of the most important things that we are for Probably the most important thing that we're for is Jesus and his gospel. We believe he is calling us into a new way of life, one that is defined by sacrificial love towards others. The challenge is that Jesus is calling us to be for others, even when, and perhaps especially when, they aren't for us. The thing is, God can do amazing things with our kindness. I want us to look at an episode in Luke 19 that helps to make that point in a powerful way. So so this story, it takes place just before Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. So chronologically, it's it's pretty close to the cross. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through the region of Jericho. And at this point in the story, everywhere that Jesus went, he, he drew a crowd, right? So imagine if someone famous was walking down uh, the main street of, of the town where you live, it would probably attract a crowd, right? And you might imagine like people starting to shout, trying to get close to this, this celebrity. Well, well, in the town, there was a man named Zacchaeus uh, who was also interested in seeing Jesus. Actually, Luke tells us that, that Zacchaeus, he, he didn't just want to see Jesus. Luke tells us that he was trying to see who Jesus was. And that's a funny sort of detail, isn't it? It's one thing to want to see the flashy celebrity. It's an entirely different thing to want to understand who this person is personally. Maybe Zacchaeus had heard stories about Jesus, right? Maybe it, he, had heard, he had heard rumors about the sort of people that Jesus associates with. Evidently, there was something about Jesus that attracted Zacchaeus. See, this is important because of the other things that we know about Zacchaeus, the other things that Luke tells us. Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was a tax collector and that he was rich. A tax collector would have been despised by locals because they were known for taking more taxes than they were supposed to. And there was nothing the locals could do about it because the tax collectors, well, they worked for the Roman Empire, which made them all the more despised. And to make matters worse, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which meant that other tax collectors worked for him. So not only is it possible that Zacchaeus stole money from the poor, He made money from other tax collectors who also stole money from the poor. It is likely that Zacchaeus was one of the most despised people in Jericho. But Luke also gives us another detail about Zacchaeus. We're told that he was short. Most English translations put it this way. It is possible, for those of you who know Greek, it is possible that the reference is to him being young. Uh, Perhaps, but regardless, uh, here we have a rich man who desperately wanted to find out more about Jesus, but had a hard time doing so because of the crowd that had gathered on the street. So what did Zacchaeus do? He ran down the path ahead and he climbed the sycamore tree in order to get a good view of Jesus as he passed by at a safe distance from the crowd. Zacchaeus lived his life. On the outs from his community. He didn't just climb the tree because he was short. Lots of people were short. If you had a known association with the Roman Empire, you could probably make your way through a crowd no matter how short you were. The problem was that the people didn't respect him, and he knew it. Sure, when it time came time for them to pay him, he got his money, but he wasn't one of them. He was known as a traitor, and he certainly wasn't known as one of God's people. In fact, I don't want to read into the text, but the tree climbing tells me that it wasn't just possible that the community disrespected Zacchaeus. My guess is that Zacchaeus had lost all respect for himself. I imagine lots of sleepless nights in a house far too large for such a small man. Enter Jesus. The crowd was focused on Jesus, right? They didn't even see Zacchaeus climb the tree. They couldn't have cared less about this creepy little slime ball. He wasn't behind his tax booth, so why would the crowd care? The crowd must have been talking to Jesus. They must have been asking him questions. They must have been asking him to heal them because word about Jesus at this point was spreading wide. Zacchaeus may have been despised, may have been a despised individual, but there was something about what he had heard about Jesus that made him think that that maybe Jesus is different. Maybe, Maybe Jesus could give him a benefit of the doubt. Maybe all wasn't lost, right? Maybe Jesus could give him a chance that the, that the crowd hadn't. A chance to be noble. Maybe Jesus maybe Jesus was for him. Still, it's best to keep a distance, right? After all, Jesus looks really busy, so we'll just stay in this little tree. So the text says, when, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Imagine all these people talking to Jesus, blah 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 blah. All this stuff's going on, and he comes to this street and just turns his head. Zacchaeus, he said to him, Hur, "Hurry, come down here. I, I, I'll have to stay at your house today." So Zacchaeus hurried up. He came down and welcomed them with joy. I imagine like an initial moment of terror. He just said my name. Maybe he's talking to another Zacchaeus. No, he's looking this way. He can't be talking to me, though. Maybe there's another Zacchaeus in the street. No, he's looking at me. And and now so is everybody else. Zacchaeus, hurry up, get down here. We're going to have lunch at your place. So so they go back to Zacchaeus' house. And while they're on their way, the crowd, who moments ago were so eager to hang on every one of Jesus' words... We're now murmuring. Ah, he's gone to spend time with a proper old sinner. Luke says they began to to grumble. They began to murmur. A a moment before, they were hanging on the words of the master. But now they turned to gossip when they saw something that they didn't like. That They didn't want to find out more. If it was today, maybe they just would have wanted to pull out their phones start recording, right? I'm going to get this thing. Maybe I'm going to be the first one to put this thing up on social media and start sending out tweets. Look who Jesus spends his time with. But I love the fact that Jesus knew his name. That's really all we know, right? That the fact that Jesus affirmed him in the presence of the public enough to have lunch at his house. Jesus saw something in Zacchaeus, that the crowd had given up on. Jesus honored Zacchaeus by giving him a chance to host him, to be, to be hospitable to him, all while the crowd looked on and grumbled at what they were seeing. We don't even know what they talked about. We don't even know how much they spoke. Luke gives us just enough language, just enough information to show us that, that the implication was that they made it from the tree to Zacchaeus' house. But now it was Zacchaeus' turn to speak. Zacchaeus stood there and addressed the master. Look, master, he said. I'm giving half my property to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to give it back to them four times over. (laughs) Jesus looks at him and says, Today, Jesus said, Salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. You see, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Things not to miss here. First of all, Jesus knew his name. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like God knew your name? Sometimes when uh, people start to follow God in earnest they describe their faith like that. When people become a Christian, they they describe their faith like that. I feel like God, for the first time, I feel like he knew my name. I think that's a great way to put it. God knows my name. He is omniscient. He knows all, and he knows who I am. He knows who he created me to be and he knows about the ways i've rebelled against his righteousness i think of one of the most powerful truths about jesus is that jesus you know he looks us in the eye and he sees everything he sees the deepest darkest secrets of our lives and he sees it with absolute clarity he even sees the dark corners of our soul that even we don't see friends I mean, I I know it's hard, but just for a moment, I want you to bring to mind the worst thing that you've ever done. You don't have to share it with anybody. I'm not going to tell you to share it with a person on the couch. I just want you to think about it. I want you to bring to mind, when I ask you, what is the worst thing that you've ever done, what comes to mind? The thing that you've done that you hope that no one ever finds out about. The hard truth is that even we don't fully understand the consequences of our actions. How the pain that we've inflicted on another human being caused future pain to become manifest in lives of people that we don't even know. Betrayal, adultery, greed, envy, the objectification of another human being. All of of it has consequences. And those who are Hurt often end up hurting others. It's been said that hurt people hurt people. Zacchaeus was not only carrying around guilt, he was carrying around shame. He had internalized his shame. He had let shame define him. He had allowed the brokenness of his soul to define who he was. And and when one who was truly righteous comes walking by, the only thing that he could think to do was go hide in a tree. Friends, I got to ask, is that you this morning? Are you going to run and hide it in the tree? Are you listening to my words right now and thinking about how you have allowed shame to define you? So often as a as a pastor, I hear people, they make jokes. They make jokes about how they, they couldn't possibly come to church. They couldn't possibly come to New Hope because they're afraid that they'd burst into flames as soon as they walk in the door. (laughs) Such comments are usually followed by a laugh, but every time I hear it, my heart cries. I grieve because somewhere along the line, this person became under the delusion that the church was for righteous people and therefore the church was against them. But what we see in this story is Jesus telling us that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Do you know what the word repentance means? In the biblical language, it's a directional term. It means to turn around, to change direction. When Jesus calls us to repent and believe the good news, He is saying that for far too long we have allowed shame and brokenness to to define us. And Jesus is saying, stop letting shame define you. Turn around. Turn around. Repent. Turn around. Look at me. And when we turn around, it's not anger and judgment that we receive from our holy God. Instead, it's lunch. It's a conversation. It's a relationship. Jesus has no intention on leaving you as you are. He desires your growth. He desires your maturity. He desires a personal relationship with you. He wants, to learn. he wants you to learn to use your gifts and to make the world a better place. But He will always accept you as you are right now, today. God will never be more in love with you than He is right now. He's not waiting for you to do anything before He declares His love for you. Paul, he tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are far better than you do. You see, God sees the darkest corners of your life. He sees the shame. He sees the brokenness. And then He goes to the cross to show you how much He loves you today. I wonder if there's anyone watching this who, who wants to declare, who wants to say that no longer do they want their life to be defined by sin and brokenness. Instead, we want our lives, you want your life to be defined by, by new creation, by a fresh start, one that lives into the person you were created to be instead of, the one, instead of a cheap imitation. That's the other thing not to miss about the story. It's that God shows us the way forward. Maybe like Zacchaeus, you don't even need to be lectured about what that means. (laughs) You know. Zacchaeus gives half his money to the poor and decides to pay back those that he's defrauded four times over. Did you notice Jesus didn't ask him to do that? Zacchaeus simply responded to the radical, reckless love The radical generosity and grace that he had received from Jesus by showing it to others. Repentance, turning around and walking in the direction of God, it includes amends. When we walk away from shame and brokenness, we're walking towards faith, hope, and love. And that's going to mean making the appropriate amends to the people that you've hurt. At least it's going to mean starting fresh and, and living your life in a way that is supportive of others even if it costs you something. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take care of yourself and love yourself. Zacchaeus' situation probably was considerably reduced but, but he was going to be just fine. No, I'm saying that, that we should seek to live out that, that golden rule. Love others the way that you would want to be loved. For Zacchaeus making amends... Um, cost a lot of money, but for, for you and me, maybe, maybe it's just swallowing our pride, you know? Maybe it's, maybe it's an apology that you've been stubborn about. I'm not going to give them an apology. I know I, what I did was wrong, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Who needs to hear the words, I'm sorry, come out of your mouth? I was wrong. And here are the steps that I'm going to take so that it doesn't happen again. Jesus shows us repeatedly that the way of life is the way of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And then once we've done the hard work, He then is calling us to do the outrageously courageous thing of moving on. When Jesus left Zacchaeus, He didn't tell him to sit there and think about what he's done. Sit there and dwell on what He had done to those people in Jericho. No, Jesus' final words to Zacchaeus was, "You know, today's salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. Not, man, this guy really got right for God. This guy really got right with God, so he can go to heaven one day when he dies. No, today, the way of salvation, the new way to be human, has come to this house. This house is set to start living for the kingdom. Presumably, Zacchaeus would go on living the life that he had led before Jesus came to town. Only now." He would do it to God's glory instead of his own. There's nothing wrong with being a chief tax collector. Maybe now Zacchaeus could, could have used his position to help protect others instead of exploiting them, to help promote justice in his town rather than injustice and exploitation. Remember, turning to God was always about you in Christ becoming the person that you were created to be. In that light, there's one last thing I want to mention in closing. It's that Jesus had the audacity to call Zacchaeus a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was Jewish, but his collusion with the empire certainly had put him on the outs from his community. For Jesus to call him a son of Abraham was like he was telling them, Zacchaeus, you're one of us come back home to call him a son of Abraham. That's to hearken back to the original covenant, right? The original covenant that God made back in Genesis 12. The original covenant with Abraham, the one that, that, that promised Abraham, that God promised Abraham that, that through him, that through Abraham's family, he was going to bless the entire world. I mean, Jesus was a Jew, and as a Christian, I believe that Jesus' work on the cross, dying for our sins and then offering us new life in Him, is, is how God made good on the promise to Abraham. For Jews and Gentiles alike, to turn around and to follow Jesus is what it looks like to be a child of Abraham. Abraham. And together, that's what it looks like for us to be the church. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, so that is exactly what we are called to do as well. Jesus declared, that, the, that he said that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against his church. The church is not a building. The church isn't a religious institution. The church isn't just priests and pastors and people like me. The church is people. The church is God's gathering, it's Jesus' ecclesia. it's a movement, it's people who are for Jesus' mission to seek and save the, the lost. The interaction that Jesus had with Zacchaeus is the sort of thing that each of us are called to do if we call ourselves a Jesus follower. It's exactly the sort of thing as well that we as an organization are called to learn to do collectively as we talked about last week, that certainly needs to look like welcoming the stranger. But it's also going to look like welcoming back the person who for far too long felt like they were on the outs. Our call isn't just to say welcome, it's to say welcome back. The mission will be fulfilled. We can rely on that. But we have a part to play. The local church has the potential to be a powerful force for good in our community. God has called us to be faithful stewards of that potential. But here's the truth, church, hear me on this. The unfortunate, sad, lamentable truth is that close to four thousand churches close the door each year nationwide. Failure is possible. That's why I am proud to be a part of a church tradition that will often change up style for the sake of substance, the substance of proclaiming the gospel. Gospel doesn't change. The good news that Jesus is on the throne is the same news that the church has been proclaiming for 2,000 years. And I will do anything as a pastor from contemporary music to live streaming our worship service in order to continue to proclaim that message with clarity. More on that in weeks to come. In closing, though, I really mean it this time, I'd like to go back just to the personal aspect for a moment. That idea that when when God calls you out of the tree, he calls you to lunch, he calls you to a conversation. Where are you in the story? Maybe for you, for far too long, you have allowed shame and brokenness to define who you are. And if that's you, may today be the first day you look, to see, you, you look to see Jesus and you see Him look you in the eye and you hear Him say your name and you get out of the tree. We're having lunch at your place today. It'll be the first day of the rest of your life. If that's you today, I, I would just encourage you to tell somebody. For others, maybe, maybe you've already had an experience like that years ago and, and maybe you've fallen into the habit of keep, you keep going back to the tree. Maybe today Jesus is saying, hey, come down. You, you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life That you might have life to the fullest. I have come to set you free. Make amends, ask forgiveness, pay back what you owe. But you don't have to live a life of shame for one more moment. Shame is not what defines you. I define you, says Jesus. And in me, I say, you are righteous. You are far too precious to let shame weigh you down. Because God has so much that he wants to do with your life. Shame and bitterness, they're like weights that will hold you down and keep you from being the person that God created you to be. When Zacchaeus got out of the tree, Luke tells us that he ran over to Jesus and received him with joy. Joy, that's it. Zacchaeus got out of the tree of bitterness and shame, and he didn't just stand there. He ran to Jesus and embraced joy. Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus isn't just calling us to get out of the tree, put our hands in our pockets and keep your head down while you lead a nice, boring religious life. He is calling you to run towards joy because that's where you're going to find Him. Still for others, Maybe you're just one of the people in the crowd. You're excited to hear from Jesus, but you are quick to define who does and does not belong in the house of God. Who does and does not belong in the family of God. No. God is calling us to welcome the stranger, and he's calling us to welcome back those who have been on the outs for far too long. See, For far too long, the church has been known by who we are against. I do hope we want to change the narrative. We want to be known by who we are for. And we're for you. Let's pray. Thanks, good Father, for your faithfulness to this community. I thank you that you have continued to be faithful to us in remarkable new and fresh ways for the past six months, for the past 17 years. The ways that you have worked through in and through our community. I'm continually, I'm just, I'm humbled and I'm so very grateful for everything that you've done in us and for us. Lord, help to guide us. Take the the grace that we've experienced and get out of the tree and go out into our communities and live a life for others. Yeah, it's going to cost us something. Help us, help us to understand the wisdom of what that, that sacrificial love looks like. Help to bring to mind the, the person we need to make amends to. Help us to bring to mind and to heart the person we need to ask forgiveness of. And then once we've done that work, Father, help us to move on. Help us to say, I am no longer living. I am no longer defined by the shame and the brokenness that this world tells me that that's who I am. No. Help us to hear your voice that we are loved. That we are loved exactly as we are. That you are calling us into a relationship. That you are calling us towards yourself. Father, may we be a church that is hospitable to others. May we be a church that welcomes people and welcomes back others. Help us um, be a church that, that proclaims to every person that comes through our doors or watches us online that we love them, that we are so glad that they're a part of our community. Father, we ask all of this in the most holy name of Jesus Christ.